personal power, people positive, the community of connection. This is the Bob Jeswald Show. You think of ways to get our kids back on track. You know, Jennifer's here, Frady's, and her daughter, Allison. And you guys came in on a tour one day, and I thought it was just remarkable. And I love your shirt because a mess to a message, a test into a testimony, a trial into a triumph, a victim into victory. Only Jesus can turn that. And that's who you guys turn to in order to find balance in your life. And you feel, Jennifer, if that's the case, then by golly, maybe this would turn around a lot of this violence in the streets because where else can we go? I mean, we're trying for the longest time, say no to drugs, do this and that. I'm not saying these things don't work or have an impact on, but it isn't, it isn't helping. It's, it's, it's ramping up in so many different ways. It's getting worse, the violence, the disrespect, no understanding of consequence. And it brings it to, you, you, as a blogger, speaker, teacher, mom, all these things together, and apologetic, too, on top of mm-hmm. it. Start there. Tell me what, you know, especially as apologetic. Explain to people what apologetic is, first of all, that so, don't know. Okay, so my first blog was just parenting and Christian living. And then my husband began to deconstruct his faith. He found some of these YouTube atheists, and they sound really convincing. And he started throwing these arguments at me, and I was like, I don't know how to answer this. And that's when I found apologetics, which is the defense of the Christian faith. And it comes from the verse, 1 Peter 3.15, which says, In your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. So that's where we get the term apologetics, because make a defense is apologia in the Greek. Yep, there you go. Like beguiled is holy seduce. I always find yeah. that one amazing in Genesis with with Eve, the, the snake beguiled Eve, mm-hmm. holy seduced her. Mm-hmm. Didn't tell her to go eat an apple, my opinion, but yeah. theologians I heard uh, would debate that too. So, so but, but that's where we get the word from. We're not mm-hmm. apologizing because mm-hmm. a lot of people hear apologetics and that's the first word they think of, but it's actually defending. So we're actually showing through theological arguments, philosophical arguments, scientific arguments, evidence for God and his existence, and that that's a worldview. When we look at it as a whole, it starts to bring us back into alignment with God, and that's where we're going to solve some of these problems that you're bringing up. Because we, if we had the answers, we wouldn't be getting worse. It seems like we're spinning in wheel, and it's getting yeah. worse. It's, yeah, it's, we, can't be, yeah. we can't be both the problem and the cure. So how do we get people to buy into that apologetics Versus why do people put so much emphasis on, I always find that interesting too. I'm, a, I'm into science. I love science. Mm-hmm. And you could look at science and, and there are some agnostic scientists that are now coming about saying, hey, you look at the universe. There's no way that infinite or finite could even be described by a happenstance or just by some weird scientific boom that this is done by, this has got to be something of real mm-hmm. high intelligence. They're admitting it now because they're trying to figure this stuff out. And, and, and a lot of this has been what's been driving you to, to understand it. But, you know, and, and your late husband, I want people to know your husband had, had passed away. But when he was doing this, did, his, did he do this just, was he an argumentative kind of guy? Or was he somebody who really didn't really want to tap into the side that you're going in? I think he just was a truth seeker and found people that were just not telling the whole truth. You know, a lot of the problem with YouTube is that there's only so deep you can go. Even really good content's only covering kind of the surface. Um, there is a, a guy named Mike Winger, the Bible thinker. Yeah. 
when he does YouTube, he does it in depth. He has podcasts that are six hours long because he goes every verse and walks you through. But most people hit something in 20 to 30 minutes and you get an overview. An overview doesn't give you the scholarly research. It doesn't go into the footnotes. And when you don't look at the whole picture, sometimes you miss the truth. So I think he was just feeling like people don't always tell the truth. So let's get to let's get to the bottom. Get to the yeah, bottom. He yeah, he was a, yeah he was he was looking objective. He was looking like, you know, let's look at it both sides. Right, as and a good journalist should do. You know, but right. he was being fed only one side of the argument, and like a lot of people want to contrast science and faith as if they're opposed, but I think that if faith is real, like we use the word faith, and a lot of people think of it as a wish. Mm-hmm. It's just th- something ephemeral. It's not something mm-hmm. solid. When Christians use the word faith, that's not what we mean. We mean what we have reasonable evidence to trust in. Like, Jesus didn't say, I'm God, trust me. He did miracles to show he was God so we could trust that he was. Documentation, which I find interesting you'd say that, because you look at, and just for me, you look at the Bible. That's, mm-hmm. that's a piece of literature, prophets, writers, scribes, uh, go on and on, uh, that is so well documented can be proven. You can go back thousands of years ago, Old Testament, into the New New Testament, and nothing was really altered. And even through the centuries, yeah, there's been some biblical verses that might have been taken out of the verbiage or something that have been transliterated differently. But generally speaking, that's a piece of something in history mm-hmm. that hasn't really changed much when you can go back and look at other stuff that has been modified, totally changed. Right. This has been a rather consistent piece of documentation so and that's all they had back then of course we didn't have tv or or podcasts like these but but it seems like those things can't be disputed they've been preserved if you will historically by historians there's not much going down to the original you know i guess the Chaldee and the aramaic you know when they would Mm -hmm. really study deep back there and there are scholars who do that that have found you know the uh tablets and things there there are things that are still preserved you can't you can't deny i guess right Uh. So Bruce Metzger, who is mm-hmm. was a New Testament scholar, he said that the Bible we have now, or at least the New Testament, because that's his area of expertise, is 99.5% the original. Wow. That's, wow. Be- that's better than any you other ancient you find, document. You find something, even in government, or just some truths how things were taken out, just, just on a basis of something medically or something what you thought 30 years ago was sound, Oh, no, that, that doesn't even work anymore. But this still works, is what you're saying. Yeah. Well, and we have so many copies of it. So, like, people think it's been changed over time. But the reality is we have five, over 5,000 copies of the New Testament in the uh, Greek, in the Koine Greek. When you add in those that in Aramaic and Hebrew and various other languages. Chaldee Latin, and yeah, Latin, all, yeah. Because it's spread out. Mm-hmm. You know, it started, obviously, in Jerusalem in that area and then Greece and then Rome and then spread out from there, we have copies that match from all these different places. If it had been changed, like a game of telephone, the copies wouldn't match, and they do. Like, you'll see small changes, like somebody might have miscopied a letter, or their handwriting was a little hard to read for a letter or something. There are what they call variants. Mm -hmm. Almost none of the variants touch anything that matters as far as our doctrine. So... And the ones that do, where a verse could be, like, misunderstood because there's a variant that we're not sure which way is the right way to analyze it, 
it's covered somewhere else so that we know what the Bible was trying to communicate because that doctrine's covered in another book. So we see literally the book you have in front of you, if you've got your Bible on your table, yeah, look is it. almost a hundred percent what what they used in the Old Testament time and New Testament. And very accurate because there was there was a lot of checks and balances back then. Right. There was a lot of checks and balances. So with that being said, there, there's very little ch- Well, one of the that, most that, impressive things to mm-hmm. me is the uh scroll of Isaiah, the great Isaiah mm-hmm. scroll from the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yep, prophet Isaiah. So the caves at Qumran, have you, are you yes. familiar with that? Mm-hmm. Okay. So for people who aren't, these caves yeah, were found like, in like 1947. Mm-hmm. Um, a kid was throwing rocks into a cave, and instead of the normal kaplunk kind of sound, something shattered. And he went into the cave, and there were jars. And they found that they were all full of ancient documents. Crazy. And yep. one of those documents was a full copy of Isaiah, the entire book. That's amazing. And what's amazing in there. Yes. What's amazing is that it's almost virtually identical to what we have now, and all of the prophecies about Jesus are in Isaiah. It's like so many of them. So where the original one was written, where it was duplicated later, and it still had very little change. So the the hands that have touched it through the years have either a been protected in some way. Mm-hmm. Some would say you may say protected by God Himself and the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit or something, but people that surrounded these tablets or whatever, and the message has always been preserved. And I like that it yeah. was preserved before Jesus' birth, mm-hmm. so we know those predictions were made at least 150 years before Jesus was born. Prophecy, yeah, coming coming true. So, Allison, how how old are you again, honey? You're in seventh grade. I'm 12. 12 years old. So, is you, you hear all this and you see what's going on in the news, obviously. Um, and you, you see, you know, just the gun violence, all these things going on, it's ramping up. What, what is your take from a 12 year old? I mean, like, how do you see this? And you talk to other friends that may not be in the same space as you, but they, they, they may be looking at this and saying, Hey, you know, it is what it is. Not much you could do, you know, et cetera, et cetera. What would you say to them? I think it goes apart from God's plan and it's up to us to show God's love and mercy and help guide them along the way. Good. And how do you do that? What, what do you have? You run across any kids that maybe were I want to say lost in that in that realm, and and or maybe they needed some direction, or maybe you became a seed planner yourself or something. Or how how do you go about that as a twelve year old? Especially with mom. Mom's very unique. I like mom. Mom is mom's not only a teacher and speaker, but very well versed and and not a pastor. You know, somebody may be listening thinking you're you would be a theologian almost. I mean you you well, very I think apologetics is theology. Is it theology? So you... I mean there's there's a separation. You can study theology without studying apologetics. Right. But I don't think you can study apologetics without studying theology because theology is how we study God. And apologetics looks at how do we know who God is in lots of different ways. So one of the things that I've taught Allison is how to talk to people. And she'll use some of these tactics. In fact, there's a book by Greg Kokel called Tactics, and it's how to engage people in winsome ways because you don't want to be obnoxious just spouting off facts. You want to engage people in conversations that make them think because a lot of people aren't coming to the table with the worldview that we have. Okay. So we want to invite them to our worldview. And you do that by making them think. So make me think a little bit, Allison. Pretend I'm just this guy in the street and I'm... Totally not a believer. And, you know, the things going on in the world is because, because this is people's desire, and they, they do it. We are our own self-actualized people that make it happen. I mean, those are some people that, 
that like Albert Camus, he's a, he's, he's a person who please you, you can become self-actualized with the help of nobody else but yourself. You could be focused and do your own thing. And I'm, I'm having trouble and this and that. What would you, how would you engage me in a conversation? I'm pretty steadfast on, on my side. What would you say? I would ask um, how you came to that conclusion because you don't want to argue how you would argue with pretty much everyone else. You want to find out why that person is not believing and see it from their point of view in order to get a better understanding. Very clear, concise. I like that. Thank you. I know your mom said in 30 minutes we don't really get a lot in here. The, the podcast ends, and again, YouTube, so we want a deep dive. But this is, this is under 30, but we hope that people, through a connection at the bottom, we're going to be able to do that, and they can engage more in, in these sources and resources that you provide are, are you know, worth somebody exploring to find out. That was a good one. What about where do you see, do you see any, any hope in this area? I mean, do you see any other way to engage someone in order to make a change without, by using these skill sets? Or? I say you can be nice, kind, and show God's mercy and love, like I said before, and just show how God can save them by being different from the world around you. Have you ever seen Mel Gibson's The Passion, his version? It's, I don't know if you are, are you something that mom. I, I, you can't, like, you I can't. I can't watch it because I oh. know I will just be a, oh, a it, puddle. It it you. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow. I, I mean, the first the time God's I saw, I did too. Yeah. Oh yeah. God, there you go. Oh yeah. And that was great in the seventies. We saw <laughs> right? the original. Yeah. I, I love that. That was uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber. I think that was it. It was a, it was a Jesus Christ superstar. I'm getting them mixed up. I'm, it was I, one or the other in the seventies. But they, they he performed on Vegas right. for a long time when I was there. But one of the things that um, I've seen Allison do is she was playing with a, a neighborhood kid, and she was wearing a T-shirt kind of like she is today that just has a, a message of hope and. He said, I think religion's just for people who are afraid to die. Interesting. And, okay. and, she's, and sh- she asked him a couple questions. Well, how do you explain where the universe came from then? Well, that was a good direction to take him in. I like that. Okay, you know, keep going. Like, <laughs> how do you explain the fine-tuning of the universe? How do you explain how we got life from non-life? And he didn't have answers to these questions. So why not adopt the apology way, the apology? Apologetics. But I'm saying it in the Greek. I'm trying to. <laughs> Bad apology. attempt. I think it's apology. Ap- ap- apologia. Apologia or something like that. <laughs> I, don't, so, I don't know a lot of coin in Greek. That's and I apologize. I, I really, <laughs> you know, really ripped that one down. But I, um, but, but I get it. I get what you're saying. But there's so many people that do. They would prefer. Let me use this. In, and I, it'd be interesting if somebody's listened to a friend of mine. She works at Network now. I won't say exactly what Network. She worked with us here. And her and along with... Um, one of my upper management team members, I'll say that, uh, we're, at a, we're at the news table, and uh, it was more of those things where you just said about dying, and it was something about that, you go, you know, like, like when you die, like your energy kind of like floats above the table, and it's just there, and I'm not, not making fun, I mean, some people mm-hmm. may take that, and, but there's a scientific explanation for that, could it be the spirit, the soul, the people describe, and you kind of like, kind of float there. No, I'm not buying into the Bible and all that kind of stuff. That's all. That's all. It's all nonsense. That, that's all made up. There and, and people who change verses in the Bible to make it fit for them. Why not just try it? it what What is the fear? Do you think? I mean, that's that's. I think that's what puzzles me more than anything. What is the fear of just at least you're quick to listen to somebody who doesn't have the answers and take something that's so mm-hmm. negative? But why not? That's a very positive book. So, I don't think it's fear. What is it? I think it's selfishness. Interesting. Why do you say that? Or pride. 
because okay. I think we want to be our own gods. Small we, we want to be, yeah. yeah, we want to be in charge of ourselves. And when you realize that there is a supreme being, all-powerful, all-knowing God, you have to surrender to him. God fear. And that means you have to follow the way he says to live. And as you know, being a Christian isn't always easy. You know, it's hard to follow Jesus. His standards for our behavior weren't easy. But if he's God, then we have to follow him. Like, I don't see any way around that. And people don't often want to surrender to it. Now, there's different types of doubt. There are people that have intellectual doubt. And we can answer that with answers like the teleological argument, which uh, atheists say is the strongest argument for Christianity, which is the fine-tuning of the universe. There are over 922 different variables that have to be perfectly fine-tuned for human life to exist or any world-dominating mm-hmm. life. This is according to Hugh Ross at mm-hmm. Reasons to Believe. And I just don't believe that a 922 different variables happened by accident within such tiny parameters, like the uh, gravitational force. Mm-hmm. If it was changed by 0. 0.037 zeros, 1%, the universe either would have collapsed back on itself or exploded I too heard far apart. That was there, that, that's, um, that agnostic scientist who now is saying he's a, he would be more Christian-based scientist in a sense of believing the creator would be God, in his new words now was on George Norrie Coast to Coast. And um, mm. George Knapp I used to work with, he fills in on the weekends. George and I worked together at Cal ES in Las Vegas. So he was, he was very good at bringing in these science things and, mm-hmm. and trying to debunk them. But at the same time, he'd bring real profound statements on both sides. It didn't really matter. But George Norrie had this guest on. It sounded very much like him. That was very much in the science and like, there's no God. This thing could actually happen. But he tried, they got a group of them together, non, I would say non-biased ones, other ones that were Christian scientists, others that were not Christian, and they all came together on the same conclusion. There's no way that this could happen. I mean, these are, these are three groups of guys, completely, uns, you know, and scientists, very deep physicists, mathematicians, and everything else, said there's no way that this could happen. So it does make you wonder. Well, like DNA. Yeah, DNA is another incredible. In order to get DNA, you have to have properly sequenced and folded proteins. Okay. Okay? The chances of getting a properly sequenced protein is the same as if I blindfolded you, dumped you in a random location in the Sahara Desert, and I had marked one grain of sand. And you have to find that grain of sand three times in a row. You need 150 of those proteins to get one DNA. The odds of that are just not, it's no, not going to happen. It's it's yeah. impossible. Yeah, not going to happen. It's you know that is it's like um, me as a meteorologist. We did I did some studies in it with climatology and and um, five hundred year floods that we had in Las Vegas. We had a hundred year flood, and then we had one back to back. He said it was a five hundred year flood. How do you come up with that? How often does that happen? Take take them take marbles all one color, like all clear marbles, for example. Put one blue marble in that whole thing. Mix it all up with your hand. Blindfold yourself, put your hand in there, you pull out that marble. If it's a 100-year flood, you, of course, you have 100 marbles in there. Pull that one out, now there's 99 left. You pull out that one that happens to be blue, that's your 100-year flood. Same principle with 500 mm-hmm. marbles. And that's a I'm, – I'm making a comparison. Mm-hmm. that doesn't – but think how that – even though that pales in comparison, it still shows 
how the odds are so 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 I have an example like that I do like that with my apologetic students. Yeah. And I give the game Bananagrams. So they're kind of like Scrabble letters. Bananagrams. I like that. I could picture that. There you go. So they're like Scrabble letters. Okay. And I have marked a little tiny cross on the back of one tile. So there's 144 tiles. Okay. And I pass it around and ask the kids to just randomly pick out a tile. Mm -hmm. I have yet to have a kid pull it. See, look, I know. There you go. And it's only 144. Like the chances of Jesus fulfilling eight of the prophecies of the Old Testament. Right. Okay. Is the equivalent of covering the state of Texas two feet deep with silver dollars, marking oh. one silver dollar, blindfolding you and dropping you in a random location. Here we go again. Pull that right. silver dollar. That's, that's, that's hard to comprehend. You can't. I mean, there's so. And that's only eight prophecies. So, he fulfilled hundreds. So this kind of teaching or this kind of examples, if you will, and this backed up by science. So you can back this up, right, Jennifer? Yes. So you can say, so you can point them to resources, and we're going to have that at the bottom here. I think that's remarkable. Lewis, I can see he's dictating quickly here. He's making sure he finds those right moments so we can share with people so they can tap but, in. But there are so many great resources out there. Like I mentioned, Greg Kokel's Tactics. Sure. Hugh, Hugh Ross at Reasons to Believe. Uh, Jay Warner Wallace at Cold Case Christianity. He actually is a cold case detective. He's been on Dateline more than oh, any I, I other cold Why does that guy? sound familiar? Right. Yes, yes. Love but those shows, by the he way. He walked through the New Testament and the Gospels like a cold case detective would, and analyzing them as, as if they were witness statements. So he shows the reliability of the New Testament in just a really unique way. That's interesting. Yes. So, so you these are some of the people that I have found that have helped me solidify my faith. There's nothing wrong with, in your point of view, I mean, God's not going to get mad if people are challenging the word of God. Well, how Bible. did Jesus handle it? John the Baptist sent, he was in jail, awaiting to be executed, and he sent his guys and he said, all right, Jesus, I thought you were the guy, but here I am waiting to be executed. This is not working out the way I thought it was going to mm-hmm. work out. Are you really the guy, or should we wait for somebody else? And Jesus said, go back and tell him what I do. The blind see, the deaf hear, mm-hmm. the lame walk. There you go. And he wasn't saying, look at me doing miracles. That was part of what he was saying. But he was also quoting Isaiah 35, where it says, when the Messiah comes, these are the things he will do. Mm-hmm. So he was saying, I'm doing the mir- exact miracles that it was prophesied the Messiah would do. I'm him. You can trust me. When we start to look at the scientific evidence, archaeological evidence, rational evidence like philosophical arguments, like we all know that there's right and wrong. We don't always agree on what right and wrong is, but we all have a sense that there is right and wrong. We wouldn't have that sense if there wasn't a God to give us that sense of right and wrong. Otherwise, it would just be what our culture liked. But we all look at Nazi Germany and we go, that was wrong. Like nobody mm-hmm. looks back at right. that and says, oh, yeah, that was the right way to handle things. We all know that was wrong. Right. But even though their entire culture believed that, we don't look back and go, well, their culture believed it, so that was what was okay for them. We know that was we wrong. We still know it's wrong. I get That's what you're right. saying, so we wouldn't take yeah, we, that we would it never, it, Right, it would never be. Like Mar- Mother Teresa and Adolf Hitler. Right. We would never c- consider them the same. Right. Even though there's different values of different cultures, it's not cultural. We know there are certain things that are right and wrong. Nobody tortures babies for fun. Gotcha. You know, no, I got, I get right? exactly what you're saying. Yes, yes. Nobody, there's no culture that thinks cowards should be honored and venerated. Mm-hmm. We all know you run into danger if you want to be brave. You don't run away from it. Nobody's having the parade for the guy that didn't go save the baby in the burning building. You know, there's things that are just universal. You don't get that without a universal lawgiver. 
See, and you get back, and it makes me think as a kid, I remember in science, evolution. You mm-hmm. know, you'd hear evolution. It's still being taught that way. I mean, I was explaining to my, my kids, and again, in my opinion, in, in following that that law, that given written word of mm-hmm. God, um, I heard a, 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 a pastor, theologian, uh, doctor, and it was Dr. Pastor Arnold Murray. He had passed away it's with Shepherd's Chapel. It's a kind of non-denominational kind of chapter by chapter, verse by verse in, in the uh, the Bible. He just deep deep diving in a sense with you what you're saying, and uh, mentioned if evolution was still happening then. And if you again, if somebody came up to you and said, "Yeah, we evolved from apes," okay, mm-hmm. well, God made apes and He made human. He did. It says in the beginning, he made human, he made all animals. So could you conclude from that? Or do you say, you look out the window, this way he described, you would still see this still going on, if that's the case. You would still see man becoming, evolving, still half ape. You know, and then you got, you know, you got people mm-hmm. that will still believe that we came from from that. You know. And I think that there's, when you, somebody talks about evolution, the first thing we have to ask is, what kind of evolution are you talking about? Are you talking about microevolution or macroevolution? That's a big difference here, because there because are the, things the, that evolve. The, right. Like, I, I don't know about you, but I had to have my wisdom teeth out. Mm-hmm. That was no fun. I did, yes. Okay? This one doesn't have any wisdom teeth. She evolved into something better than you and I. And, and the dentist <laughs> says that's, that's actually happening more often. So we're, we're, we're not needing those kind we're not of needing teeth those or teeth. canines. And so that's what like. we call microevolution. Okay. And we all agree that happens. Okay. The idea of macroevolution is that we all evolve from a universal common ancestor. That, I think there's still a lot of So that would be Darwin. Yeah. yeah. There's still a lot of holes in that theory. Mm-hmm. And there are, there are points to be made that Darwinism is accurate but I think there's a lot of empty places that really don't make sense and doesn't fit together as neatly as they present it does. Gotcha. You know, some of the points that they make that are in biology textbooks and things honestly are not even accurate. And unfortunately, I mean, I know the biology textbooks I had as a kid showed me some of these diagrams and things that aren't accurate. So Um, that could be disproved. So then Darwin's theory. Darwin's theory at least has holes in it at, at at best, best. Now. and that, it, now that 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 you know, he's been gone for some time now, that science has evolved in a in a way where we're learning yeah. more and so more and like better. Stephen Meyer, Stephen Meyer, yes, yes. Okay, so Stephen Meyer, uh, the Return of the God hypothesis. Mm-hmm. He talks a lot about the problems with Darwin's theory and why it doesn't really explain everything the way we think it would, because we're not getting the whole picture. We're being given little snippets here and there and going, see. So, are you saying the whole picture would be still? You, there the has Bible. to be there has, has to be, be. A, a a supreme power that's designing everything. Gotcha. When you see design, you know it was designed. Like if you're walking through the woods and you see a watch on the floor or on the ground, mm-hmm. you know somebody dropped it. You don't think it grew there, right? Right, because right. you recognize that it was designed by a mind for a purpose. In fact, in my apologetics talks, I actually use arrowheads. Oh yes, which because is a great example. Super of our, simple, our sim- simple. Yeah, but you still recognize a Petro- mind petroglyphs, did it yeah, with human hands mm-hmm. for a purpose, and that's what teleological means is purpose. Okay. So that's the fine tuning argument. We see design all over the place. Flower petals are arranged in the Fibonacci sequence. Mm-hmm. The Nautilus shell Fibonacci sequence. The golden ratio, at like pi, things like that. There's too much order in our universe, to have it been created by chaos. That's an interesting way of putting it, stating it by chaos. And bring, speaking of which, there's still chaos, there's chaos today. Prophetic 
in the sense of what you're saying, that this would be the times we'd be ramping up mm-hmm. into, if this chaos could be squelched in any way by this way of teaching, again, one person at a time, are you looking, are we engaging classrooms, communities, churches, businesses? How do we use the word attack this in a good way? Uh, well, let's first t- talk to parents. The first thing parents can be doing is spending more time with their kids. You know, obviously as Christians, spending time reading the Bible together, talking about these things. Natasha Crane has written a series of books about how to talk to your kids about God, how to talk to your kids about Jesus, how to keep your kids on God's side. And these are all really brief chapters that any parent could sit down and read and have a really good apologetics conversation with their children. And I think it shouldn't be something you sit down and, like, teach a class to your kid. It's just part of conversation. Well, how do we know Jesus was a real person? Well, we've got evidence outside the Bible. We've got Tacitus and Josephus. We've got the sculpt or, uh, carvings that say Pontius Pilate, so we know he was a real person. We have the ossuary of Jesus' brother James. We know that he was a real person. Historically, as much as we can know any ancient person existed, we have more evidence for Jesus than anything. You just talk about it. It doesn't have to be like a long lecture, right? Um, Parents need to try to stay married. The best case for any kid is two biological parents married to each other. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean other families aren't okay. Right. But the best case for a kid is two biological parents raising their children together in a low-conflict setting. That's just statistically proven. Mm-hmm. We need more dads in the home. Yeah, less dysfunction. Yeah, right. and this is where the disrespect comes, especially with males. Um, you know, my dad left when I was nine, but I still had grandpa around, still had my mm-hmm. uncles around. Then I, my mom remarried and I had my stepdad. So I had a lot of male influence, which was really good for me, mm-hmm. and I think that really made a difference. I could see folks that did not had a tendency not to respect authority. That's mm-hmm. the number one thing. Authority gets disrespected immediately. Yeah. And hence, then this, sometimes these things start to arise. And then, you know, but, but these are, the, the, you know, these are topics for other times, but, but this is a really good start yeah. to start in that direction to make a, make a difference. I see, Allison, you're nodding. You, you like this. So what do, you, what, do you, what do you think about all this, too? I mean, as a 12-year-old, you know, I'm looking at you, and I'm thinking, you know, that's kind of interesting. You know, what, what would you, you know, you got a mom like this. This is pretty fascinating. Yeah. It is. Having her as a mom is amazing because I get – I get all these answers, and that strengthens my faith a lot. And that's one of the things that kept my faith going through hard trials. That's great. Fantastic. So, you know, as, as you know, my husband was a soldier and had PTSD, and yeah. he, he lost that battle. Yeah, and I'm so sorry to hear that. I mean, he's a hero in my eyes and yours. Yeah. And thank you for standing next to him because you're just as important in, in, in uh you know, when a man or woman serves this country, it's the one that's at home with family, too. It's also serving alongside. So thank you for your service. Thank, thank you. you. Um, I know from the military standpoint, I think we need to reach out to these soldiers and give them a hope mm-hmm. that even though they've seen evil, Christianity still has the best answers for why there's evil in the world. Because the Bible tells us why there's evil. Every other worldview just says, well, there's evil and there's nothing much you can do about it. Or there isn't any evil, it's just what you don't like. Mm-hmm. You know, atheism or agnosticism doesn't really have answers. Right. Christianity has the best answers for why there's evil. And when you look at it from God's perspective, you know he's going to make it right in the end because he is justice. You know, okay. that's part of God's character. Right. But when we talk about character traits, you know, you might be a nice guy. That's a character trait. Mm-hmm. God doesn't have character traits like that. 
these are the things that are who he is. He is love. He is mercy. He is goodness. He is justice. These are the things that flow from his character. That's why we see them reflected. Like we all know that justice is important. We treat people fairly, regardless of their social status, mm -hmm. right? Because that is part of who God is. Right. When we see the world that way, we understand why there's evil. And we can have hope that God's going to make it all right in the end. And that there's a purpose for our lives. As the wife and the daughter left behind, apologetics is really what saved our faith. I laid in bed that night, you know, weeping and saying, okay, God, I, I still know you created the universe and designed it for human life. There's no other explanation for how we got life from non-life that makes any kind of sense. And the Bible still is a supernatural book. You know, the accuracy, mm -hmm. archaeologically, the prophecies, and there's something called the minimal facts argument. Uh, Dr. Gary Habermas is one of the leading experts in this technique. But he basically takes 1,400 scholars that range from super Christian to super atheist. Again, going right back to perfect way to yeah. make an, a, a statement. Yeah. yeah. So he looks at all of them and looks at what are the facts that all of them would agree to. And they agree to basically four facts. That Jesus was crucified by Pontius Pilate and died by crucifixion. That he was buried in the tomb, Joseph mm -hmm. Arimathea, mm -hmm. that Saul's life was radically changed by an encounter with the risen Jesus, and the disciples were radically changed, including his brother James, who was rather skeptical. Mm -hmm. Before yes. Jesus died, his brother James was like super Jew. Right. It's like right. trying to compete with older brother Jesus. He, right. Right. he decided he was going to be the most observant Jew possible. Right. And then all of a sudden, he you stops. You don't hear much about him, but right. yeah, you didn't, yeah. He stops being yeah. that person and starts following his brother. I don't know about you, but if you have siblings, it would mm -hmm. take a lot more than them coming back from the dead for me to believe that they <laughs> yeah, were perfect. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Thomas, he learned that way too. He right? was, yeah. So he, he looks at those minimal facts. What do we know for sure is true? Right. And then the tomb was empty. Only about 80% of scholars will agree to that, but yeah. the other four are over 90% of even the atheist scholars believe these things are true. It's something ha it wasn't because the Romans is are defending this, this opening. The, the tomb was blocked. Right. How did he, what happened? Just, mm -hmm. They thought, and that's what they, were, they figured they were going to make sure that somebody is there to guard it because right. thinking they would try to, Jesus would pull some kind of but if trick they, on them or something. If, if they still had Jesus' body, they would have paraded it around town. Sure. They would have squelched that right away, right? Yeah, that would, and it's that happened in, in wars around here, mm -hmm. as we know what happened in uh, Somalia. Right. Yeah. So this this myth yeah. that Jesus rose from the dead, the Romans would have immediately squelched that if they could mm -hmm. have. They couldn't. They couldn't, yeah. They couldn't. Wouldn't, it, wouldn't there be some, They if anybody who's still against that, they would find every possible way to make that argument to prove that point. Mm -hmm. And it, there's no nothing, even anyone even tried. It wasn't removed, wasn't added, because they couldn't couldn't do it. One of the best things I saw this Easter was from the Babylon Bee. And they had a video of the resurrection hoax. Your viewers have got to check that out because it's hysterical, but it also yeah. makes a really good point. Okay. Why would the disciples fake Jesus coming back in order to be tortured, persecuted, and executed. True. That's a good point. They, Why would you even go there? I would, no. would you? And if you see, like I said, if you see the passion, Mel Gibson, I, I, I've seen many versions of it, but that to me was just, mm -hmm. you say, stop it. In three minutes, you go, I got it. And you get choked up. You're like, I've had enough. Okay. Mm -hmm. But to think anybody was to go through that, 
Who would do that? I mean, if you hear Jim Caviezel talk about yeah. his experiences. Phenomenal. He was suffering, just pretending, pretending to be Pretending to do it, yeah. Like he got hit with one of the one of the whip yeah. pieces came around the board that was supposed to be protecting supposed him. Supposed to be protecting him. And he got hit with it. And he was like, one I can't imagine. Getting hit, hit that with many it, the times. whole whip 40 times, well, 39 30, times. Yeah. And then they pulled out pieces of his beard. Yep. Um, when Jim was on the cross pretending to be crucified, he got mm-hmm. struck by lightning. Almost I, died. I didn't know that. Yeah, there's I an interview on YouTube oh, wow. somewhere where he talks about he almost died portraying Jesus. How how profound that is. Yeah, and he wow. was, he thought it was really interesting that he was 33 when he was asked to pr- do the role, and Jesus would oh, have been approximately on. 33. Oh, come yeah, on. so it's just wow. it's just interesting. The, oh, it's geez. obviously that's not necessarily no, but it is. But it's, it's, it's fascinating. fascinating. To t- and I love Jim Caviezel. Mm-hmm. I loved his show. He was on. I think he did a show on CBS. Person of interest. Person of interest. You know, it's great. That's actually a book study that I'm starting tonight with oh, my small wow. group. Great. By Jay Warner Wallace. It's yeah. called Person of Interest. I would have to say a lot of that stuff is pretty much true now. You start yeah. looking at AI and different oh, things yeah. going on, scary stuff. But this book is actually yeah. about um, how do we know that Jesus was real without using the Bible? Because a lot of people okay. don't necessarily trust that no. the Bible's accurate. They keep thinking it was ma- you know, right. changed. And they're not understanding, if you understand the history and see how it wasn't right. changed, but versus somebody just looking at point blank. Think about it. You try to read it. You still need somebody to help because the way they spoke in those times, sometimes things were very... Descriptive. I mean, even John Apatimos, the way he describes things, mm-hmm. there's there, it means something. But you got to have somebody, you know, translate it for you, and or of somebody who of a theology background is consistent in the way they understand. Uh, well, and language. I think sometimes you can just grow in your understanding. Yeah. What parables, I what Jesus I Jesus parables were amazing. Well, what I too. found is yeah, I I'm stories. on my eleventh time through the whole Bible, mm-hmm. and the Holy Spirit reveals things to me each yeah. time I go through. I, I heard it people makes say that. more and more sense. The connections, the historical connections, you start recognizing names and going, oh, that was one of the guys from Judges. Oh, I remember him. And this is why he was important. Because the more you read it, the more things kind of click. It does. So it's somebody, I don't know where this quote came from, but the Bible is shallow enough that any infant can get water from it, but deep enough that no one will ever plumb its depths. There you go, and you you hear a lot of you hear a lot of good theologians say just that it's it's not written it's not complicated God's word is not complicated you know it's 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 if it's anyone can understand it if you really focus on it and on that note as a Catholic I'll just say this too I, I supplement because my interest in, has been heightened and when I returned here eighteen years ago in, in the deep south I, I I just been yearning for that as a Catholic kid growing up I would hear like just accept it that's just the answer. And that turns people away a lot. And I'll, I'll just say that in defending people who turn away from the church or whatever, you've got to be engaging. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing more and more of these younger pastors coming up now, in particular mine too. He's, he's very deep on trying to do it. You get people get flustered because he may take too long to preach the gospel. And I, and I get that. Some people can't, their, their retention, their attention span is very short. So you don't want to go too long sometimes. But I find it interesting because I've been studying on the outside as you said, it starts a supplement, starts to click a little bit. And I'm mm-hmm. starting to, when they say stuff now, okay, that makes sense. Because I remember when I was years ago as a kid, not knowing the story mm-hmm. and not getting it, the word, it, then it's things start to really come in. So these are just ways, anybody listening, if you're interested, check it out. Because Jennifer DeFratis and her, her wonderful daughter, Allison here, un- understand that you're doing a great job, honey. You keep doing what you're doing. You're hanging out with someone who's a good leader in that area. So sorry about your loss. But I know he's in a good place. I believe um, I do a lot with the military men and women, and I think PTSD is real, and these guys come back, and depression is, is terrible. But God's a loving God, and I know he 
he, he's he's in a good spot. And I, I got to believe that. I think that yeah. a lot of people have the misconception that if you commit suicide, you automatically go to hell. Oh yeah, that's I, I've heard that. And uh, no, I think that no. we want to dispel that yeah. because that's not true. No, God's not going to do it. Especially what he went through, he, he didn't do it. There's there's reasons and circumstances, mm-hmm. medical things that could have been even having brain injury can cause something mm-hmm. to make you depressed. It, it's not your fault, you know. So right. there's a lot of different things. So thank you for your service and everything else. We have. All kinds of links here at the bottom, Jennifer. We're going to get that all for you so people could click on it, learn more about the apologetics. I think it's remarkable. It's a fascinating topic. And why not delve into something like this, especially in a day and age that we're in, that if nothing else seems to be working, try this positive way. This could be just the answer for you and your community. So check it out. And thank you so much for doing this today. You can catch this episode and much more here at WRBL.com. That's the video portion. And you can also catch it on YouTube. Anywhere where you enjoy your podcast play, uh, we like to say right here at Apple, uh, Spotify, iHeart, um, we got it there for you and, and, and many other places too on social media. So Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram too. I'll have links there. We'll show you a couple highlights of us here today. And uh, we'll have a link there for you because we have a Brother Lewis here to my left, right here. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be able to uh, link us up and hook us up on that one. You guys have a great day. Thank you for what you're doing. Well, hey, we come back again. I want to let's come back again. Let's okay. visit this again, go more in depth. Um, I find it very fascinating. And um, again, you, you really do your homework well and, and, uh, and just remarkable, very if, enlightening. Even if, if um, I do come speak at churches at times, if anyone wants to reach out to me, they can go to themomapologist.com and I have a contact page where they can find me, or Heaven Not Harvard if they want parenting and just general Christian living. Sounds great. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you.